Wednesday night, and it is uh, January 22nd, I mean 25th, January 25th, I was uh, letting you guys know that on Tuesdays, starting last night, the jail ministry finally started back up. Um, Cameron Mitchell and myself went in there last night, and it had been almost three years that it's been shut down for programs. That, the regional jail over by Dixie Caverns has been there since it was built in 2009, and I watched it being built, and I just had this, um, it was almost like a calling, you know, you need to go there and not get in trouble and go there, but to go there and, and do, you know, minister. So the church that I was going to at the time was down in Salem, and Pastor uh, Jay Robinette was the pastor down there, and I kept telling him that I wanted to do ministry there, <clears throat> and he helped, he helped me get in there, and uh, so we started doing, I started doing Bible study there, and it, it was for 11 years, and Cameron, he taught a Bible study, and he had a church, church service, so he did two back-to-back, pretty sure it was back-to-back every week for a long time, and then I think it scaled back to one, and then they went through some uh, reorganizing of programs in general, and a lot of the Christian Bible study type programs got cut out to make room for alternative stuff. So Cameron lost his spot. And I had never met him before, but Officer Akers, who's over all of it, he um, asked if I knew him, and I said, I've heard a lot about him. I would like to meet him because it would be a great, he would be a great person to be a backup. And come to find out, he just absolutely loved going, so we partnered up, and we would share uh, teaching from week to week. And he was, you know, seeing him, I hadn't seen him in a while, so saw him last night, and we didn't know what to expect, but everything went very smooth. Two of the guards we knew from a long time ago, uh, so they, they remembered us and, you know, was happy to see us and had about 15 guys come to the uh, Bible study. So it worked out really nice, and I was pretty excited about that last night. And, of course, Cameron, very excited about being there. Okay, so I've been working really hard for about a week and a demo and all that, so my, my sinuses are all messed up, so sorry about that. A lot of dust and, and things like that. So I've been feeling a little bit rough the last couple days. So Deuteronomy chapter 8. We've been moving through Deuteronomy about a chapter each time. And, you know, it's, it's just it's a really good Old Testament book to know. And... Um, I've, I've been, you know, it was I was challenged or, or you know, I was asked, you know, what about Deuteronomy a long time ago, and I went ahead and started it, and I'm glad that we did, and it's really been, and, it, and it, it, the way it 
corresponds with other things we've been doing on Sundays is really, really cool. <clears throat> now, chapter 8, let's just read a little bit. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. All right. Uh, let's pray for a minute. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit Father, when we get into your word, we start reading it, we need to be so aware of the Holy Spirit, so aware of the things that we may not understand. And Father, we ask that you would help us to see the meaning of your word. And Father, um, help us to be better able to explain it to those who like last night, come to a Bible study at the jail. A father who come to our church and are looking for answers. Or father, as we are at our workplace, you know, sometimes it's hard, but father, give us ways that we can share your word, not just in speaking them, but the way we live, the way we carry ourselves and that, we would, that people would just know that we were different. And Father, I pray that each and every person who comes to this church, that they would just, their delight would be in reading and meditating on your word. And Father, that it would help us to be that tree that's planted by the river, producing fruit, leaves never withering, and Father, being there for a long, long time with you, for eternity. And Father, we thank you for all of those promises that you have given to us. If we would just listen, remember, and obey. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Now, notice in, in verse 3, and why, well, no, verse 2. It says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee. So, doesn't, doesn't God already know what you're going to do? But it says here he did it so he can prove you. Now, now, uh, something pay pay close attention. I'll point it out here in here in just a second. Pay very close attention to the words, and I'm going to try not. I'm going to try to point it out to you, and then when we get to the end, th something's going to change, and I want you to be aware of it. Notice, all right. Uh, it, then it says, "To know what was in thine heart." Doesn't God already know what's in your heart? But it says he put them through all of this, trials and tribulations, 
so that he would know what was in their heart. So does he know or not? That's, that's, that's a question you might be asked. You know, one of the number one questions is, why does God allow bad things to happen? Right? Plenty of bad things happen. We, we have people who think that, oh, there's definitely a God. He's just not interested in, in us anymore. That's not true. But they, take, they use that. Well, look at all these bad things that happen. Well, in Ecclesiastes, I'm pretty sure it's 9-11, 9-1-1, time and chance happeneth to them all. So we, we do things to change dangerous behavior. Why? If it's already predetermined, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, God's already picked my day to die, and I'm going to die on that day, and, and all that. Really? So why do you do all the things you do to stay alive? And why do you expect everybody else to do different things so they'll live longer? If God's already got it planned out. Or does time and chance happen to all of us? We can, we can decide. You know, God is very sovereign, but yet he does not take away our free will. I don't know how he does it. I don't understand it. I know he's sovereign, and I know we have free will. And how that works, don't ask me that, because I can't figure it out. All I know is the Bible tells me all kinds of stuff like this, that I might go through trials and tribulations so that he can find out what's in my heart. You know, you cannot build true character if you don't go through hard times, right? And we want to be people that are good character people, but if everything is provided for us and we have no challenges, we grow up being ungrateful, spoiled brats. And God knows that when they go into the promised land, everything's going to be there for them. They're going to forget all the things that he did for them. They're going to think we are doing all this for ourselves, and they're going to forget God, and then he's going to have to punish them. So he knows that's going to happen, but does he know how each individual person is going to handle testings? I'm not sure. I want to say absolutely he knows all, but then again, he wants us to have a free will, because he doesn't know if you love him if you don't have the equal opportunity to not love him. He calls all, only some come, others go their way. You know, as a parent, when you see your kids going the wrong way, you want to just physically grab them and pull them back and maybe lock them up. But their heart is wanting to be gone. And the only way you're keeping them out of danger is locking them up and they're hating you more and more because you don't give them the freedom, and then when they finally bust loose, they're gone even further. Is God treating us the same way? Is he, if he physically made us stay, then we would have resentment toward him for being this overpowering God, but he has given us a free will to go and to die doing it. And it would break his heart if we did, but he gives us that freedom.
whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Three, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna. You know, it's, it's not bad to allow your kid to go hungry every now and then. I've seen parents that will fix a nice meal and the one kid won't, don't want to eat it and they'll make them something different. Like, no way. No way. And, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doeth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doeth man live. Now, that should be very familiar to you. Why? Who said that? Later, much later than this. Hundreds and hundreds of years later, who said that very thing? Jesus, when he was being tempted by the devil. Every temptation that Jesus was tempted with, he quoted out of what book? Deuteronomy. Every time he quoted out of Deuteronomy. When they asked him, what's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He was quoting Deuteronomy. That's why it's such an awesome book to go through. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. All right, so back up in uh, chapter, I mean, verse 2, Toward the end, it says, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments. You're going to see thou's and these. In four, uh, wax not old upon thee, and thou chasteneth, uh, consider in thine heart. And at the end here, God chasteneth thee. Notice that. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land and a land of brooks, of water, of fountains, and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, or olive oil, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are, are, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. So they had uh, iron and brass that, were it, that they could mine out of the rocks there. So, so everything needed was there. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Now, I can't stand it anymore. I got to tell you. What does thou and thee, thine, what does that mean? When you see that in Scripture, that is, correct me if I'm wrong, 
but second person singular. Second person. Okay, I, that's first person singular. Thee, or thou, is second person um, singular. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God, this is verse 11, in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. All right, so you're thinking, you might be thinking, Moses is talking to a person, a singular person. But he's not. But he is talking to a singular something. What's he talking to? The nation of Israel as a group, as a nation, a singular. There's nations in the world. So you need to see. All right, when you get to the end, go down, go down to the end in, uh, in 19. Yeah, in 19 is when it changes. It says, And it shall be if thou do not all forget the Lord thy God. He's still talking to the nation of Israel and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. Now what has he done? Huh? Second person, plural. It's, it's each person. When he's addressing a thou, if I said, okay, thou, you would know that I'm not talking to every single person. I'm, I picked out one if I said thou. But when I say ye, then I'm talking to each, indo, each individual person, and it, what I'm saying applies to every person individually. That's ye. So Moses has gone from, so when you go back up to those hard questions that I asked, does God know your heart already? Well, if the nation does these things wrong, then it's the nation that he's proven, but it's individuals that make up the nation. And even though you can say, well, that's what my nation did, well, at the end of it, you, each and every one of you are going to perish because of what your nation did. Now, look at how true that is today here in this country. Our nation, the United States of America, is turning away from God so fast, it'll make your head spin. And if you go along with it, then you are going to suffer the consequences, and worse, your children and your grandchildren are going to suffer even worse. Each individual person is on a bad road to perishing if the nation as a whole falls and does not hold up the Word of God as the direction for the nation. Okay? All right. Pick up any other version of the Bible other than the King James, and you lose what I just told you. The vows aren't going to be there anymore. The these and the yees and all that is gone out of all. You take the new King James Version, that's the first thing they wanted to do was take all those things out to make it easier to read. But is it as accurate? 
but how things are written and the words that are used. When the King James Bible was put together in 1611, and it was years before that that they were translating, it took them, it took them quite a few years to get it translated into English. Well, guess what? In 60, leading up to 1611, they didn't use vowels and yees very much then either. So it wasn't like that's what they used at the time, and that's why they wrote it the way they did. They were getting out of, they had already gotten out of Old English. So they purposely went back to Old English when they were translating because they knew it made it more accurate. So you can't say that that's just the way they talked then, because in reality they didn't. They had already started changing in the in 1600s, early late 1500s. So they purposely did this so that you would know what these people and who these people were actually talking to. Um, you know, like I've said many times, when you see uh, a word that ends with. S-T, because you, you see a whole lot of th, T-H at the end. Uh, those who sineth, you know, that, per, so if, if you see the T-H at the end of a word, all right, believeth, that's a good one. Well, you, people, well, why can't the Bible just say believe? Well, you know how many times believe is in the King James Bible. Just the word believe. So when somebody says, I don't like that King James because it's always saying believeth. No, it doesn't. It says believe way more than it says believeth. And then it says believest. So believe. And then when you're talking to the next, when you're talking to second person, it's believest. S, second person. And then believeth, T, third person. So I'm talking to you about that person over there who believes. Then I would say that, that guy over there, he doesn't even know we're talking about him. But I said, he believeth. So when you're reading it in the, in the Bible and you see believeth, then if you're not sure who he's talking to, you know right then that he's talking to the guy over there. That's not even in the conversation. Third person. Isn't that cool? That is cool as it could be. But you only get it in the King James. Every other version of the Bible messes it up. In my opinion, they mess it up. Now maybe it flows better, but I think... It's, and, and some of the so-called archaic words that are in the King James, there's a, there's a word like uh, environ. It's like, what does that mean? It's uh, they environed, they surrounded. Environ, it's surrounded. So, so what would you call your, another word for your environment? Your surroundings. So it's really not as archaic as, you, as they would want you to think, the people who argue against uh, some of these older words. All right, so back over to where I was, but where I couldn't stand it anymore, and I had to jump forward. Where was I at? Uh, Ten, right? When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou, sh then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full, 
and has built goodly houses and dwelt therein. All right, so uh, I was reading in, I'm pretty sure it was in uh, Warren Wiersbe book. I think it was him that was talking about he had an uncle. You know, we're, we're bad about not, we're, we, are, we have taken food. I mean, think about back in the day when people were very, very thankful for their food, and they prayed, and they thanked God for their food. And then we're so spoiled today that we just, we're in such a hurry that we don't pray for, we don't even pray before a meal. A lot of us don't. Some, I'm, if you do, great, but I'm guilty of just, you know, boom, 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 boom. And then, um, but he was talking about not only did his uncle pray before he ate, but because of this verse right here, he prayed when he was done. Because it says, once you're full, you'll forget God. So that uncle always, when he got full, he'd say, wow, that was an awesome meal. Let's thank God for it. I'm full now, and I'm really happy, and I'm going to thank God. So he would pray after the meal. So that makes us who don't pray at all for our meals really bad. And it's because we just take it for granted now. 13, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast in is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through, through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents, so they, they, they would know. I mean, you can go back to Numbers and, and read that story. It's an awesome story. It's kind of scary. If you don't like snakes, uh, you might not want to read it, but uh, fiery serpents and scorpions, that's scary, and drought where there was no water who brought thee forth water out of the rock of Flint. So all these things, if, you, if you've read through your Bible up to this point, you know what he's talking about here. If you haven't, you need to go back and read. Um, 16, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, talking about it again, which thy fathers knew not. So basically, this manna was angel food. And how do you know it's angel food? Have you ever heard that before? Manna being angel food? I'm pretty sure it's uh, Psalm 78. I don't know, you, you can look it up. But it's in Psalms, and it talks about the food of angels that fell from the sky. So evidently the angels have a really nice corn crop up in heaven that they tend to and make manna. So when the children of Israel were walking through the desert or the wilderness they were going through and they, they would pick up manna every morning. And they were, they were instructed only to get what you need. Of course some people would, would grab more than what they needed, maybe have a midnight snack, or afraid it wouldn't be there the next day. It's like, well, they're not trusting in the Lord. He said, get what you need. Now, the only day they could gather up more, what day could they gather up more? What? Which would be Friday. They could gather up a double portion. But then, think about the first time they did that. The people who gathered extra any other day of the week, when they went to eat it the next day, it was filled with maggots, you know, like worms. It was no good. It was perfect the day you gathered it, but if you saved any of it, then it was rotten the next morning. So on Friday, they were told to gather twice as much. Think about how many people 
would say, it doesn't do any good to gather twice as much. But it would be perfectly good the next day because it was the Sabbath day and they weren't to go out and work and pick up stuff on the, on the Sabbath day. Sean, it's 24 and 25. What's that? Psalm 20, Psalm 78, 24, 25. Okay. It said, and rained down manna upon them to eat and had given them of the corn of heaven. Man did eat angels' food. There you go. Hopefully people could hear that on the, on the uh, mic over there. So um, anybody who's going to listen to this. So Psalm 78, verses 24 and 25, there it is. That talks about angel food. So, the, so their, their fathers, they didn't understand it, but they just went out and picked it up, that he might humble thee and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou say in thine heart, my power and, and the might of mine hand have gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day, and it shall be if thou do all if thou if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods, notice the little g gods, and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. That's when you see the first ye in this whole chapter. As the nations which the Lord destroyeth, he's talking about other nations, there's that third person just destroyeth. See there? There's proof right there. What I told you was right. Before your face so shall ye perish because ye would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. Now, over in verse 5, it's, it said, uh, it said thou, sh thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Now, I can't remember if I marked it. I did. Hebrews chapter 12. And you don't have to turn there if you don't want but that part of Deuteronomy talking about God chastens or punishes, corrects his people. And any good parent is going to chasten their children. If they don't, then they don't love them, according to the Bible. Okay, so in uh, Hebrews 12, it says... Let's see, I'm going to go ahead and read from the beginning of 12. And we're only going through verse 11. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doeth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Notice who is the author and finisher of your faith. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth, dealeth with you as with sons, for what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? So, uh, the writer of Hebrews, you got to say that to sound sophisticated and smart. The writer of Hebrews, because we don't really know exactly who wrote it, but whoever wrote it, I like him a lot, and he was definitely inspired by God. You know, if I had to guess, I'd put, I would, well, you're not supposed to bet or gamble, but I put my money on Paul. <clears throat> so, notice that this author is talking to us. He's talking to his people at the time, but he also is talking to us. But he's talking about fathers and sons that are third person. So, you see all of the THs down through there. God dealeth and chasteneth and all that stuff. Okay. Um, did I read seven? If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Okay, so if you are, you're coming to church, um, you tell people you're a believer, you're part of the body of Christ, all that, and you go out and you do things that you're not supposed to do. Are you getting away with it all the time? <clears throat> or is God chastening you? Is he punishing you for the bad things you do in your life? If you're getting away with it, you need to go back and ask yourself, am I really a child of God? According to what this says right here. <clears throat> but if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. There you go. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days, going back to the fathers of our flesh, for they verily for a few days chastened, chastened us after their own pleasure. <laughs> Your dad spanked you, and he was happy about it, according to this. But... You know, don't believe him when he said, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. Nah, he's, he's really loving what he's doing. But he, for our, talking about God, but he, for our profit, we're going to be better off if he punishes us and corrects us, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous, Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness 
unto them which are exercised thereby. One of these days, we're going to go through Hebrews. I don't want to win, but we're going to. All right, so we got through uh, chapter 8 of Deuteronomy, and uh, you can see where we could, as you go through Deuteronomy, there's all kinds of places in the New Testament that we can go back to or turn to to see how they uh, correspond. And uh, it's a good thing to do that. Don't forget about uh, these places in the Old Testament. Uh, at the jail last night, I talked a little bit about um, Genesis 24, because I was telling them how important it is to understand that Jesus is the one that we have to look to and keep our eyes on. And I said, and he's throughout the Old Testament. I said, just for an example, this, Genesis 24 is Abraham, the father, sending the servant to find a bride, and he goes and finds Rebekah, to, to ask if she would come back with him to meet the son and marry him. And I asked the guys, I'm like, who was the son? And they were all like, Isaac, Isaac. And I said, well, who was the servant? And they're, all, they're like, I'm like, good, because it doesn't name him. You passed the test. Probably Eliezer, or, but it doesn't name him. The Holy Spirit's job is to set up the son, talk all about the son, and to ask the bride, all of us, will you go? And what did Rebecca say? I will. Didn't force her. Didn't say, okay, you're the one. You filled up all those water pots. You, you gave me water. You gave all my camels water. You're the one. Put chains on her and drag her back to Isaac. No. After he knew, you're the one. That's like right now. God has done everything for you. He's given you all the blessings and the promises. They're already there. Just like, just like that servant brought all those fine things. And she saw, whoa, this is, this is amazing. God's done all that for you. And all he's asked, the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart, convicting your soul. Will you be the bride of the Father's Son? And Isaac is a type and picture. Of, and Rebecca, without ever seeing him, have you seen Jesus in person? And the Holy Spirit's asking, will you be the bride? Christ and you've never seen him but you've heard all about him in the word so your souls have been enlightened and the Holy Spirit that servant has come and showed you all the blessings and all the power that you can have in him will you go to the son will you go to Jesus hopefully we all say yes we will let's pray Heavenly Father we thank you for your word and Father I pray that each and every one of us have been enlightened by the word. And Father, I pray that we, each and every one, have been cleansed by your word. Father, that just by listening to your word and just hearing it expounded on, that we would be just a little more able to do what you've called us to do and to be a little bit more like Jesus. Father, we want to be holy because you are holy. Father, we're keeping our eyes on Jesus. 
because we want to be more like him. Father, we have a perfect example of how we're supposed to be here on this earth. And Father, I pray that we would be a people who would keep our eyes on Jesus and, and just continue the wonderful things that he did, that we would be willing to sacrifice and willing to be a servant, but most importantly, that we would have your love inside of us so that we can love the unlovable. We can be a friend to those that may not be very, very friendly. Father, we know that if we introduce them to you, that they would change for the better and that their future will be very bright. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.